morning, church. Thank you, bro. Oh, I love this guy, and I, I love this church. It is so good to be back with you all again. Um, I feel like it's been forever, and it, it hasn't really been that long, but this past year has felt like forever <laughs> in a lot of ways, right? So I, I go, like, pretty way back with, with Dan. I think it was, I was thinking about it, I think it's 2006. I think we met each other back at school. We were probably putting some cream cheese on some uh, <laughs> some bagels, hang, hanging out between classes, and got to know each other. And God just continued over the years to bring our paths a- across until finally we were like, all right, God, you want our paths to, to stay um, next to each other and on mission together. And um, God in his kindness has, has brought your church along with our family to continue to do the same thing and just continue to see his kingdom grow and his name be known here in Philadelphia, in Queens where we live, and, and around the world. Um, and we're doing that together. We're on this mission together, and it's, it's so exciting. Um, we do ha- have, just to quickly introduce myself, I know I know most of you, very familiar faces. I've been, been here a few times, but my name is Jesse. This is my wife, Monica. She is in her element right now holding somebody else's baby. She just loves, she has many spiritual gifts. I think that's one of her strongest is holding other people's children. Uh, she, she loves it. And then I can't remember which children at that table belong to me, but some of them do. There's, there's five of them. Riley, Kira, Carson, Aiden, and Gavin. Um, the ones that raised their hands are actually happy, proud to be part of our family. <laughs> Um, we do have a few things just over at this, at this table. We have some prayer cards. We know that you guys are partnering with, with us in, in, in prayer. Um, if, if you don't have one, just a reminder to pray for our family. Just pray for what God is doing in our family, God, what God's doing through our family in Queens, um, and just to see the nations that are represented in Queens reached. Um, so, so some information there. And then also, I don't know if you're aware of this, right now um, is... Um, it's a Muslim holiday called Ramadan. It's a 30-day fast um, that, that Muslims around the world are, are observing this fast. And what they're doing is they're seeking to gain favor with Allah. And as they're doing that, there's a little booklet called 30 Days of Prayer. We, we only had a small handful. I think we brought five of them. Um, um, we're, we're, as believers in, in Jesus, we know the one true God. We're praying for them as they're seeking Allah that they'll find Jesus. Um, so Jesus actually shows himself in mighty powerful ways during this month of Ramadan to many Muslims a- a- around the world. And I think a huge part of that is the, the power of prayer that Christians, that followers of Jesus are, are praying for these Muslims. Um, so this is just a, a little guide. And what's really cool is this guide actually, it's th- this year, is, is very special to us because it actually represents um, a lot of the diaspora or the displaced people groups from all around the world that live here in the United States. And um, New York City, where we live, is represented on many of the pages and just shows different, actually this, the little neighborhood of Jackson Heights that we live in um, is, is the most culturally diverse neighborhood in the entire world. Many, m- many Bengali, Indian, Pakistani, um, Muslims live there, and there, there's actually a day that's, that's focused on praying for Bengali Muslims in Jackson Heights specifically. So if, if you want to grab, grab one of those, um, they're, they're for you. They're for you, church. Before we stepped up here, as, as, as we were singing, something that God was just really impressing upon me is he was just like overwhelming me with he, God loves the church. God loves his church, and he, he wants to 
not only speak to his church, he wants to commune with his church. And God loves you. God loves Mercy Gate Church. And God has already been speaking to us through, through song um, in different languages. I, I didn't understand many of the, the words, or I'll be honest, I didn't understand any of the, any, any of the words, um, but God did, and God loves to hear praise to, to him, and he loves to speak to the church, and he loves to hear from the church, and we're going to be observing communion. That's what God wants to do. He wants to commune with us, um, and he wants to continue to do that through his word right now. So um, open your Bibles to, I think, Luke chapter 7. As, as Dan said, I had this whole other message. Dan, Dan hit me up a, f- a few months ago and said, hey, Jesse, would you like to come and kind of present what God's doing up there in Queens and, and just, just sh- share, share a word with us for, from Scripture? I'm like, absolutely, I would love to do that. I had this whole message planned, was praying about it and, and going through. And, and then yesterday, um, we were over at a, uh, a family's house that is in our church in Queens, and um, they were just walking through some very intense spiritual warfare, some battle. And, and Monica and I go, sorry, I'm a mess. I'm an emotional mess this morning. We'll, we'll see how this goes. But Monica and I are over there and just seeing God work was amazing. We go over there and th- there's just spiritual attack on this family, this family who loves Jesus. And there's just this spiritual attack, and they're asking, can you guys please come? And, and another family came as well. So kids, come into our home and just pray. Let's just spend some time praying against the attacks of the enemy and just praying for God's presence to be known here. And we were praying that. And I came home, and the, the, we have an enemy who hates what's happening right here. He hates what was happening yesterday in in their kitchen, in their bedroom, in their living room as we're crying out to him in the power and authority of Jesus' name. He hates it, and he's going to attack. He wants to discourage. He wants to destroy what is happening. He wants to kill. He wants to deceive all of these things, but he can't. He can't ultimately. He has zero power for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So, so we were just praying in confidence and, and, and instead of walking away discouraged, Monica and I are walking back home and we are just encouraged by the spirit of God, what God was doing in that house and how God was unifying our church even stronger and even more through this adversity. And, and I'm sitting, we were waiting, we were having some, some other friends over um, yesterday evening and I'm just kind of sitting doing stuff around the house, getting ready for them to come over and I really felt God was just saying, um, he was just saying, Jesse, just remember how amazing Jesus is. Just be in awe of Jesus, of what I've been doing. And I'm just thinking through these things as it's like washing over me. And I, I, I really believe I was hearing him say, in my, in my spirit, I was hearing him say, um, show them Jesus. And I'm thinking about coming here, coming here today. I had first, or sorry, Second Corinthians chapter five message already planned, and, and I just kept hearing God say, "Jesse, show them Jesus." And I'm like, God, I have a whole nother message kind of already prepared, and um, you put spent a lot of time on this, put put a lot of work into it, and I just kept hearing him say, like, "Jesse, look how amazing Jesus is. Show them. Have you know, be in awe of Jesus and show them that all." And I said, okay. And I, I told Monica, I'm like, I think, 
I think I'm going to switch it up because I think that's what God is saying to do. And I've never done anything like that before. And, and, and she, she said, go, obey, like do what God's saying to do. So, so if this goes sideways, um, here's, here's the 32nd, uh, second Corinthians one. Your identity is ultimately in Christ. In Christ, you're a new creation. You're an ambassador. Live like it. Okay, there we go. So, so that's already, that's message one. Now here's the message I believe that God actually has on, on my heart. So Luke chapter 7. This is a very interesting, again, just praying, God, what would you have me to show? And he just led me to Luke chapter 7. This is, this is just a story of Jesus. I think we can turn almost anywhere in the Gospels and be in awe of Jesus. Right? This is where I feel like God, God, was, God was leading me. And I wouldn't even say as far as like if you were ranking them as far as popularity, this might not even be in the top three of, of a ra- Jesus raising somebody from the dead passage. But this is showing just what a passage of showing just how amazing and how just incredible Jesus is. And that's really what I want us to see this morning in, in Scripture. Just be together in awe of Jesus. And I was just thinking, again, what a crazy year for the world. I was just thinking this past year, and God, again, was reminding me of things that he's done. And, and we've all experienced, and still in some ways are experiencing, in many ways are experiencing the results of this worldwide pandemic of, of COVID. And, and I know we're probably already all tired of hearing about it. That's how big of an event it was. It's just constantly kind of in our faces. Um, COVID... This virus came to destroy. This virus came to, to stop things, to shut things down. We saw, we, we live in one of the most populated cities in the world, and Times Square was empty, and it felt eerie, and it felt weird. COVID shut things down. It stopped life in, in a lot of ways. God loves to redeem and God loves to reverse. So God never stopped. God's mission never stopped. His heart for the church, his heart for the world, for the lost, it never stopped. So as I was thinking back, God was redeeming, and and this is, it's so easy to lose sight sometimes with the circumstances all around us, but God was reminding me in his kindness, he was reminding me, Jesse, here's what I've done. So I'm just gonna give you a few highlights of some things that God has been doing. Right, right before we jump into Luke chapter 7. Through this past year, through, through COVID, God has actually wrapped our little family into this large, massive Bengali Hindu family that lives on our street. There's a couple different family members in a few different houses um, that, that live on our, on our street, but they represent over 200 Bengali Hindus that live in Queens. And that's a tiny representation of the thousands of family members that live back in Bangladesh. And God has taken our family in unique, amazing, only God type of ways, and he's folded us into that family. And it's been, it's been really incredible. The, the big avenue that's right next to our house is this, this street right next to our house. Because of COVID, it actually got shut down for cars because there's really not much green space, not much walking space. So to kind of spread things out a little bit, they shut down this big avenue, which has been a huge blessing for our our families to go out and the whole neighborhood kind of comes out and we're just in the street. 
it's, it's kind of fun to say, hey, kids, go play out in the street and, and actually mean it. And they're going out and, and playing. And, and God actually introduced us to, through that, there's this uh, Bengali member of, the, of this family. He used to be a professional soccer player over in Bangladesh. His name is Panaki. He started with our kids playing soccer with them in the street. And then that eventually evolved into kind of a full-blown like soccer league. Every single night, we were just out there last night playing, playing soccer. So every single night, different people come from the community. People are, it's funny, families are walking by and they look and, and a couple of kids just jump in and start playing. People are riding their bike and they throw their bike down. Hey, can I jump in? So you're meeting people and God's, God's doing something really amazing through, through that. And that's been over this past year. He's been doing stuff in, in our family. He caused us, you know, we've always said, yeah, we're a family on mission together. Mission can sometimes look like busyness, though, if it's not done correctly. If it's done in our own power, and I can tend towards doing that and being busy. And God caused during that time, helped me to rest and re reminded me of what is abiding, not just you, but what is abiding as a family look like? And our family is drawn closer together through, through this. We, we started our own church in our home. It's called All Nations Church. And, and God has been building community in our, our church and through our church. It's been incredible. All during a time where it seems like ministry shut down for a while. And it didn't. God is actually, of course, we've been praying. And, and we've been feeling like God has been calling us to adoption since before we had any natural born children. And of course, this is the year where God says, yep, right now, go ahead and start this process. So we're, we started a process for, to, to adopt a sibling group um, from, from Bulgaria that represent an unreached people group uh, called the Roma people um, that, that, that came from India. And, and God's just been doing all of these things in our family, in our church, and in, in, in our neighborhood. And it's just been, been incredible. So just what he's been reminding me, something he's been reminding me is, Jesse, my mission hasn't died. COVID, COVID tried to kill a bunch of stuff. My mission hasn't died. COVID tried to stop a bunch of things. There are still so many small businesses. The gates shut and the gates have never been op opened up back in our neighborhood. COVID stopped a lot of things. COVID cannot stop God. It has not stopped God. God has continued to move forward in powerful, amazing, amazing ways. And I know he's doing it here too. It's easy to miss when we focus on our circumstances, when we focus on things going on around us, things that the headlines are telling us. But when we focus on who God is, he's unchanging. He hasn't changed. He hasn't stopped. His heart is still for us. His heart is still for the world to know him. And in God's kindness, when we do get distracted, he reminds us. And yesterday was one of those times he was just, just overflowing me with, with reminders of how amazing he is. So, so let's look, Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. This is, this is what the Bible says. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd of the town or in a great crowd went with him. And as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. 
And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bear, and the bear stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Father, I just ask, through your word and through your spirit, will you show us exactly what you want us to see? this morning, and will you speak to us exactly what you need us to hear and help us by your power and through your strength to to obey and to respond the way that you desire for us to respond in obedience as your church and as your children. Amen. So I'm actually going to ask so you you can speak out. We see Jesus, he walks into this town with his followers, and there's, there's actually another crowd with him. We, we know he's coming from Capernaum. Jesus always has purpose. Everywhere he's going, he has purpose. He, he's not just like randomly going past these towns. He knows exactly who he's going to talk to, who he's going to see, and he has a purpose for, for going in here. So as he's going in here with this crowd, what is the first thing that we see about Jesus in this text? He had compassion. That's exactly right. He sees this scene, this funeral that he walks up. And he, he sees there and he sees what's happening. This is a widow. She's already lost her husband. Her, her main source of income, her main source of love and of care is gone. And her, her son now has passed. So he walks up to this funeral, of this, this, and we know God's heart for widows. And he walks up, and this is God in the flesh, Jesus, and he's sitting there, and he's seeing this, and he has compassion. He sees this woman, and he loves her. This is the same God who we know, his heart. Read your Bible, Genesis to Revelation, and you'll see it woven all throughout God's love for all people, his compassion for people. God loves you. He loves us. Jesus didn't just walk through as a robot and just heal people. Jesus loved people. And he sees this woman who just lost her son, who's already lost her husband. And he has compassion. That's pointed out. We see the compassion of Jesus throughout the Gospels. Where he has compassion over crowds. He has compassion for specific people. It comes out in love and care. This type of compassion, it wasn't just like, oh, I feel really bad for this person. This is, this is if, you, if you look at kind of the origins of the word, this is like a groaning, like deep in the bowels. Like, have you ever like felt something so strongly that, you feel it in your stomach. 
that it's painful almost. This is the kind of compassion that the Lord, our God, has for this woman. And he sees her circumstances and he has compassion on her. Our family just walked through a funeral of a very close friend. The guy who started the soccer, the street soccer league named Panaki, just in March, so just last month, beginning of March, um, I got a call from his brother-in-law and he said, hey, Jesse, Panaki is sick. Can you go see him? And can you go pray with him? They're a Hindu family. And he calls me, go, please say, go see my brother-in-law. He's not feeling well. So I go, I go into their living room and I'm sitting with him and his wife and he's telling me, he was just at the doctor and he's telling me, Jesse, I, they think I have something wrong with my, my liver. Um, I'm going to go get a second opinion and get things checked out. Um, I hope it's not too bad. Um, sat down and just prayed with him. That night, he went to the hospital due to a lot of pain in his stomach and found out he had stage four stomach cancer. Ten days later, he was gone. I didn't know that was the last time I was going to see him sitting at his table. God knew. We prayed together. He's heard the gospel. And I'm thinking as we see Jesus and who, how Jesus interacted with people, there should be something that this does for us. When we see Jesus, when we hear Jesus, when we experience Jesus, what do we do about it? I don't think it's okay to just look and see, oh, Jesus had compassion on this person, and then he went and healed him. Yeah, that's an, a cool healing story, and let's move on to the next one. No, no, when we experience Jesus, this word is living and active. It's meant to do something, and we're meant to respond. So what does response look like? I think practically it looks like the hard things. Monica and, and our friend Megan would sit down with his grieving wife through the very hard and awkward Hindu ceremonies and rituals that they're walking through as a family that, that, are, that are dark. And there's a lot of satanic stuff happening. And, and Monica and, and her friend just sitting and having their arms wrapped around his wife Pia and just praying with her and sharing encouragement and hope in Jesus. And it's hard and it's awkward, but it's compassion. It's Jesus-like compassion. It's doing the practical things when we see somebody hurting. How do we come alongside them? How do we have compassion like Jesus had? Our daughter Riley wrote him a note. We didn't know if we were going to see him again once he was in the hospital. And she wrote him a note, and it just her heart flowed through this, and she was imploring him to just, just know Jesus. Just know Jesus and the hope that Jesus has. And we have, we have no idea what God's done in his heart. We don't know. Here's what I do, here's what I do know. I do know that, that Monica, that Riley, and myself, we all had very vivid and very explicit dreams about Panaki 
after his death. And it seemed like, and the, the dreams seemed like God was saying, he's with me. We don't know. We're, we have a hope that we're going to see him some, someday for eternity. We're going to be maybe playing street soccer in heaven on some golden streets. That would be amazing. We don't know. But compassion looks like loving somebody, throwing your arm around them and just being quiet and listening. Or maybe praying with them and sharing hope. Imploring them, it's spiritual, imploring them to just know Jesus and know the peace that Jesus provides and offers. What God's been doing through this, so we've seen a response. And this is what we, you know, we're seeing Jesus and then how, how do people respond in this passage, but how should we be responding? So, so we've actually seen a family response. It's been incredible. We thought that we were close with this family before. Through some of these different ceremonies and rituals, as we've just been kind of walking alongside them the best that we can, uh, we found ourselves a couple weeks ago sitting on our front porch. And they, they asked, can, can, you, can we use your front porch for some of our family to kind of sit as they're going from our, their porch to, to ours? And we said, sure, no problem. So a bunch of the guys came over and, and were hanging out. This one guy has this kind of homemade little makeshift like hookah thing. So he's sitting there smoking hookah on our porch. And these guys are talking. And, and this other man, he's a relative of, of Panaki's. He said, I met him that day. And he said, I know you. And I was like, oh, well, did we meet before? He said, no. He said, Panaki has told me so much about your family. And he, he said, so Panaki is the head of, of this oikos not just blood family, but this, this massive network of Bengali Hindus. He, is, he was the head. And he said, Panaki told his entire family that this family, Jesse and his family, they are family. And he said, I don't think you get the significance as I'm like, oh my goodness. He goes, this has never happened before. He has never introduced anybody into the family that wasn't a blood relative. And he said, there's something about your family that he loved and that he welcomed. And through that, through what God was doing, all of, all of a sudden, these guys started asking, why? Why did you love him? Why do you love their, their family so much? We see you in the temple. We see you on their front porch. We see you in their living room. Like, what? why? And what an amazing opportunity to share the love of Jesus. So we just started sharing stories of, of, of Jesus, and th th this, this one guy, he looks at me, and he goes, that is amazing. He said, the story of Jesus is amazing. He's hearing it for the first time. The story of Jesus is amazing. Can we talk more about this? What a response of Jesus' compassion going through the church, and it wasn't just our family, it was the, our church that has been welcomed in and Jesus' compassion going through the church into this unbelieving family. And right now we're already starting Bible studies with, with some of them. Monica's sitting with, with one of the relatives um, doing, doing a weekly Bible study and teaching English at the same time around our table. Jesus has compassion on people that's what we see right in the scripture and that should affect us we should have a response and not our response actually affects other people's responses to Jesus another thing we see about Jesus so so what what happens Jesus has compassion he walks up to her 
oh man, I wish I could just picture this in my head. Like, I wish I could have been there. Like, Jesus just going up. There's all these, it says there's actually a crowd of people that are watching this, this funeral, that, that, that are there. Maybe some murmuring, maybe some, you know, they're seeing kind of what's, what's going on. And, but Jesus is the one who comes up and he walks right up to her. And I could just picture the, our Lord and Savior, our God, wrapping his arm around this, this widow that nobody knows how to really care for. Nobody knows how to love like he, he does. And he walks up and he just says, don't weep. Don't weep. Just loving her. Like, oh, honey, I love you so much. Don't weep. And then what happens? What does he do? Shout it out. What does he do? He doesn't just stop. He doesn't just say, I, I love you. I hope you feel better. And then walk away. No. He does something about it. He raises her son from the dead. So another thing we see about Jesus is Jesus is powerful. He is God in the flesh. Jesus is powerful. He has authority over life and death. Jesus has authority over the spiritual and the natural. That's why when we, when we pray, we don't walk in, we didn't walk into our, our friend's apartment yesterday and say, all right, if there's any evil spirits in here, get out. No, we said in Jesus' name and in Jesus' authority, in the authority of Jesus' name, get out. You are not welcome here. Only, this is, this is God's territory. And we pray for God's presence to be there, God's presence to be felt and known in that apartment. But it's not by our authority. We only have authority in Jesus' name and through Jesus' power. It's through his power. And Jesus has authority over life and death, over the spiritual and the natural. One of the friends that we met that's part of this Bengali family, his name is Prosenjit. I don't know if you're familiar with the term uh, person of peace. Oh, man, but if there's a person of peace in this world, I think it's this guy. I mean, this dude just, he's, he's a Bengali Hindu, but, man, he wants to know about Jesus. And he's, he's a mover and a shaker. He's an influencer in that, in that family. And he is drawing other people. He's welcoming, and he's drawing other people and saying, hey, you, you, cousin, you need, you need to sit down and, and we'll, we'll read the Bible together with Jesse. And oh, you, you need to come too. So he's like bringing people and telling them, you need to hear about Jesus. So this guy, Prozenjit, and his family over the past few months, so this was back in, um, I think it was back in December when we first started seeing uh, uh, some of these things. He walks up and he is the most jovial Oh, man, maybe someday you guys will meet him. Maybe he'll come here and, and speak the word to, the, to this church. That would be amazing. Um, and not outside of the realm of possibility of what God can do. Um, so he, he's always, I, walk, I mean, he sees me from, it feels like three blocks away. And he's like, Jesse, brother. And he'll run up. And I mean, he's a hugger. He doesn't care about any worldwide pandemic. I mean, he's a hugger. And he's, he's holding, he'll hold hands. And he's just, he's just so excited to be 
alive and, and with people. And, and he just, he keeps telling me, Jesse, there's a, there's, a, there's a connection. God put you in the house for a reason. God wants you to be, um, he, he, he knew our family needs, needs you guys and needs Jesus. I mean, he's saying these things like he speaks more like a Christian than many Christians that, that, that I know. It's just amazing what God's doing in his heart. So God started, we've been praying hard for this family. Just praying for this family to miraculously come, come to faith. And last December, I see um, Monica calls me. And she says, hey, Jesse, there's, a, there's an ambulance outside Prozenjit's apartment. It's like right across the street from us. And, and, and she said, I, I, think, I think it's for him. You know, I'm, I'm praying for him, but just wanted to let you know. So I called him, called him, n- no response. And he always picks up. I'm like, oh, man, something's going on. So I, I, get, I get back. And finally, the next day, I've been trying to call him, and I, and I can't hear anything. The next day, I see him on our street. And he's, he's walking. And he's walking very gingerly. And I go, Prozenjeet. And he goes, brother. And I'm like, oh, man, something's wrong. So I walk. I'm like, are, are you okay? And he tells me, yesterday, we had to call 911. My back pain was so bad, I couldn't move. He said, Jesse, I was weeping like a baby. And I couldn't help it. I was just crying. I was weeping due to the pain. It was so hard. And you know just kind of a natural almost a knee-jerk reaction was oh like I'm I'm so sorry like can I, I, I can I pray for you right now I said oh yes please please so 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 I, I just kind of laid my hand on his back and I just prayed Jesus would heal his back you know and I, I'm gonna be totally honest with you I don't feel like you know I maybe had faith of a tiniest mustard seed like I wasn't like I wouldn't say I was full of faith and like praying in power it was just like oh that's the natural response I should I should pray for you you know and I, I prayed in Jesus' name that he would that he would heal his back. And he says, thank you, thank you. And then he, he walked home. The next day, he calls me and he goes, Jesse, my back, it's healed. Like it's, there's, the pain is gone. And I was surprised. Why should I be surprised? Jesus is powerful and he's amazing. And we prayed in his name. And I'm like shocked. I'm like, are you sure? Are you okay? Like, did a doctor, did a chiropractor come in? You know, like, I'm thinking all of these. Maybe it was a natural, maybe it, like, oh, ye of little faith. No, Jesus healed, and he attributes it before I did. He goes, your Jesus healed my back. And I said, I think he did. Yes, yes, he did. You know, and I'm so excited. I'm telling Monica, and we're crying, and, like, and, and he's just, like, praising God. Like, wow, Jesus healed me. Then maybe a couple weeks later, his, his wife is sitting at our table with, with my wife, and she, she tells her about some pain that she's having in her chest. And she's very nervous and scared about it. So Monica just prays with her that the pain would be gone, that Jesus would take away that pain. And he did. <laughs> Again, we're like, whoa, <laughs> this is happening. And, and she, she tells Monica, it's gone. It's go- it, my pain is gone. And Monica's like, that's amazing. Praise God. And then a little while later, they were over at, the, they have two little kids. They were over at our house for, for um, Carson, our nine-year-old's birthday party. And the next morning, um, you know, Kanika, his wife, her English isn't the greatest. And that's Monica's teaching her, her, her some English as they're going through some Bible study stuff. And 
Monica's just asking me at the table, hey, you know, J Jesse, how do you think Kanika felt yesterday? You know, like she was kind of quiet, you know, do you think she felt out of place? And it's like, no, I don't think so, but let me, I, let me hit up person Jeet. And just, so I text him and I just said, hey, how did, how, how did Kanika feel about yesterday? So something like that. And like, it was almost like before I even hit send, he's calling me. So I'm like, oh, that's person Jeet. So I pick up and I, I said, hey, hey, bud. And he, so we're talking and he, he goes, he goes, Jesse, did God tell you to call me? Like, did you know about Kanika? And my first instinct was to just totally lie and be like, of course, of course God told me to call you, you know? But I was like, no, no, I was just asking to see. And he goes, Kanika has a, a headache that's so bad, it's blinding. Like she literally like can't see. It's just darkness, it's so bad. And she's just laying down on the couch. And I thought that maybe God told you to, to call, to, to pray for her. I said, well, let me, let me pray for her while I'm on the phone. So we, we prayed over the phone, and then Monica was praying for her, and she called her, or she, uh, she texted her, sorry, she texted her to let her know, hey, I'm, I'm praying for you, and Kanika responds. This is about 10 minutes later. Blinding headache on the couch. Kanika responds and says, the headache's gone. Like, guys, this is happening. She says, the headache's gone. And, and then her response, Monica shows me the text, and it says, your God is so kind. <laughs> They're seeing it. They're seeing that Jesus is powerful. And this is the last one. A couple weeks after that, President Jeet's at our house. He loves to bring us Bengali food, and we love to receive it. That's my spiritual gift of receiving food from other people. <laughs> So we love to receive, and he, he brings over some food, and we're talking, and just asking, you know, how's Kanik, how's the family? And he says, oh, Krish, our oldest, he's just very sick, and Kanik is very worried about him. And, you know, he's, he's very stuffed up, and his breathing is, he said, Jesse, he lays like this, like, just throughout the night, and his breathing is very, I wish you could see Prozenji, and just, he's animated, that's what it, how it looked, and we're like, oh, no, that's, so, like, can, can we pray for him? So we, we gather around, and, and Krish wasn't there with us, but Prozenjit was, and we just laid hands on Prozenjit, and we're praying for his son, um, that God would heal him. Like, hey, he keeps doing this. Like, maybe he'll just keep going, you know? So, so then, this was on a, a Tuesday, I believe, a Tuesday night. Um, Prozenjit comes over to do a, a Bible study with me. We we're going to look at a story of Jesus and t together. So he, we're about to start this, and he goes, oh, brother, before we start, I forgot to tell you. A few nights ago, when you prayed, and Monica prayed this specifically, she just felt like, all right, I feel like God wanted me to pray this. So she's praying for healing, that Jesus would heal him. And she said, God, I pray that you will show yourself to them in a supernatural way, that they will actually, like, see you. So person G says, Jesse, a couple nights ago, after you prayed, Kanika couldn't sleep, and she was just bothered. So she just starts starts pray, like crying out to to God, and then suddenly she sees this light in the room, and she says, "This light." She's telling this to him the next morning. She said, "This light is in the shape of a man, but I couldn't see a face. It was just in the shape of a man." And that shape, that light, that figure walked over 
across the room. They all sleep in one bedroom, the whole family. So, so parents and, and children all in one bedroom and the, their in-laws are in the living room. So in their bedroom, right across the room, this figure of light goes over and she said, I felt this overwhelming peace. I was anxious I was, I was, and I felt this overwhelming peace when the light showed up and he put its hand on my son's head, on Krish's head, and then was gone. And she said, I just fell asleep right away, peaceful. The next morning, she sees Krish. He comes into the, to their kitchen and she says, Krish, how, how are you feeling? And she says it in Bangalore, how, how are you feeling? And Krish says, I feel great. I'm fine. I'm, I'm all better, Mom. She says, I think I saw Jesus heal my son. This is not, this is not, this probably is happening in Bangladesh. God is doing things all over the world. Guys, this is an hour and a half up the road here in the United States. This is in the city that God is doing these things. This is, this doesn't stop. God's power doesn't stop when, when scripture was, was finalized and, and completed. God's power is alive and active today. The same power that, Jesus, that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that Jesus has to raise that little boy from the dead, is the same power that we have through the Holy Spirit right now in 2021, right here in Philadelphia. God wants us to see this. He wants us to know him. He wants us to rely on this power that he has. This should affect us. God is powerfully working right here and right now. Is, not was. God is powerfully working right here and right now. So their response was, Jesus healed me. Their response was, your God is so kind. Jesus healed my son. I am going to be totally honest with you. I don't know if Prozenjit has come to faith. Some days it really, really seems like it. His desire for Jesus is, is almost unmatched with anybody I've ever met. His thirst to know more about Jesus. He's still, they still have prayer times to Krishna, their false god he still mentions krishna every once in a while when i first met him it was all about krishna now it's all about jesus and krishna maybe gets mentioned every once in a while god's doing something whether he's in the kingdom or not man he's fallen and god's after him and what a response to jesus compassion to jesus power so then we see in this passage the crowds actually respond. What do the crowds say? It says, it says in verse 15, And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. When Jesus does something, he demands a response. You can't just sit and watch something like that and have zero response. For, for, for followers of him, for not followers of him, for people who identify with Jesus and people who don't, everybody is responding some way. You respond to scripture, everybody's responding. Maybe your response is rejection. Maybe your response is, is I, I, I love this, but I don't know what to do with it. Maybe your response is, how do I obey? 
but everybody responds. This crowd responds. There's not one person in that crowd that's sitting there like, no response. No, everybody's like, whoa. It says fear sees them all. And, and, and I think I, sometimes I like act like, oh, if I see Jesus do miracles, I'd be like, yeah, Jesus, that was awesome. No, man, if I see this dead person come back, come back to life, it's probably like, whoa, what's going on? Like, so fear sees them, but then what did they do? They glorified God, and they started speaking truth. God has visited us. So their response was fear, it was praise, it was honor, it was glory, and it was truth. We all respond. Just this past year, man, I'm so, my, my heart is so full right now. Two, our two oldest, um, one in January and one just last, last week, both got baptized. That's a response to the good news. That's a response to the gospel. That's them saying, I need to respond. Kira was, was telling me, our second oldest, she was telling me, she, she was, she's fearful. She hates when the attention is on her. And she was saying, Dad, I really feel like I'm supposed to do this. I don't, I'm scared. Because I know people are going to be watching me and, and looking at me, and it's going to—I'm going to feel awkward. But I really feel like I just—I need to obey. That's a response, a God-given response. And then through that, a boy named Pro Meet, who we play soccer with out in the street, he ended up kind of coming in through some di- different circumstances as we're gathering around to pray over Kira. He's in our living room. Our door is kind of, I don't know how safe it is in the city, but it's kind of a revolving door. People are just in and out, you know. Uh, we, we don't lock our door. Sometimes my wife does when I'm not looking, uh, just to feel secure. <laughs> uh, she's like, you're crazy. But, um, but I just love the idea of people just in and out of our, in our house. So he was there. He just happened to, to be there. And another little uh, boy was, was there playing with our boys, too. And... Promete, our friend, he was like, wait, what are you going to do? And like, we're going to pray over Kira. She just got baptized, and we just want to encourage her, and we want to pray over her. And he's like, can I, like, step in? And he, he said, what is baptism? So he starts asking these questions. So we start, we start sharing, like, gospel was shared with, with, with him. And, and I said, this is the good news of, of Jesus. And he goes, whoa, this is wonderful news. So he's, he's responding to the good news, to the gospel. Pros and Jeet's response, I, we were going through a, a, a story of the Bible, Pros and Jeet's response, when he sees him, you know, he, he it, it says something about, he came to faith and his household. And Pros and Jeet goes, whoa, my household, they've seen the power of Jesus in me, and what Jesus has, has done for me, and they, they keep asking questions, he said, I need to tell my household about Jesus, Right? Like, I don't even know if this guy is, is yet identifying with, with Jesus, yet he's saying, I need to share Jesus because the, it says his household. So these responses, we need to respond to, to Jesus. So what is our response? We see the crowds re- responding in, in, in here. What is our response to the power of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus in, in our lives? So I think it should match up with that last verse. Here's what happened. Verse 17, and this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and the surrounding country. And when you see something amazing take place, whether you see it with your eyes or you experience it, 
Jesus does miracles. He raised this boy from, from death to life right in front of people. And then what happened? They told people. That's a crazy experience. They, they started sharing this story and his, it went th throughout all over the place. They, they spread it. If, you're, if you identify with Christ this morning, there's been a miracle in your life. Ephesians 2 talks about you were dead in your sins. I was dead in my sins. Now made alive in Christ. That's even a greater miracle than physical death to life. Every single one of us who, who believe in, in, in Jesus, who trust in Jesus, we have experienced a miracle from death to life. These people spread it. They saw it. We've experienced it. We need to spread it. Let's go spread that. Be in awe of Jesus and let's spread that awe of Jesus. We shouldn't be able to help it. If you see somebody raised from the dead, you probably can't help it. Like the next time you're hanging out, dude, check out what I saw yesterday. You won't believe this. And they're telling this story. Man, every single one of us has a story. Every single one of us. Check out what God did for me. Man, this is who I was before Jesus. Man, then Jesus so powerfully came into my life. My life took a 180. My life is so different. It doesn't, and now this is who I am in Jesus. It doesn't matter. Maybe God saved you out of the gutter. Maybe God saved you out of a life of, of addiction. Maybe you grew up in the church and God saved you in a different way. Maybe out of a life of self-righteousness. I don't know. But it's still a miracle nonetheless. No matter what your story is, death to life. And that's only because of Jesus, what he's done for us. And that's a story worth sharing. If people are spreading a story of seeing a physical dead body come to life, man, we need to be spread. And this is what Jesus has done. And we experienced that story. Let's tell other people about it. That should be our response. All right, so just imagine with me. This is, I, I'm, I'm closing up right now. But just imagine with me right now. I wish you could see his face. Imagine Prozenjit, this Bengali, Hindu, maybe Hindu turned Christian. Imagine him sharing Jesus with his household. His household comes to faith, his wife, his kids. He's actually kind of taking in that, that, that place of kind of head of oikos for all of the, the family members in, in all of Queens. So just imagine a ripple effect, a domino effect of Jesus going through that Bengali household and then jumping overseas to Bangladesh and the impact that they have already over there and it flowing through, through there. Can Jesus do that? Absolutely. Just, does God, is that God's heart? Does God want people to know him here and in Bangladesh? Absolutely. He wants that household to come to faith. Imagine that that happens. Man, praise God, and that can happen. Let's dream and then be a part of the dream and, and just come alongside. God's always working. Let's come alongside what God's already doing. I like to imagine these children that we've ne we haven't met yet. We have no idea the, these children's names or their faces that, that we are, Lord willing, adopting soon. I just imagine these kids coming from a, a group of people who have never heard about Jesus, a group of kind of gypsy nomads. And imagine them coming to, into our home, interacting with our kids, hearing about Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, 
and then maybe someday going back to their to where they're from and telling some people for the first time the good news of Jesus that can happen I want that to happen God wants that to happen imagine your friend whether it's at work a neighbor imagine somebody you're you're in a conversation with them and it turns spiritual they start asking questions or you just you mention something about man Jesus is so good and they hear the good news of Jesus and that having a ripple effect through their friends and their friends imagine this neighborhood the ripple effect that this church can have right here and who knows how far it can go I know God's heart is for the for the ends of the world he wants everybody to know him so imagine the effect that you can have by sharing the, the love, the compassion, and the power of Jesus in your life. So be in awe of Jesus. God's teaching me that, Jesse. Sit, be in awe of who he is, and spread that awe of Jesus. The responses, the results, those are up to him. We can be faithful. Let's be in awe of Jesus and let's spread that all to others. Church.
be in awe of God. It's a spiritual reality to be in awe of Him. It's something that His Spirit will produce in us, inclining our affections to our God. So here's what I want to encourage us to do. Is come forward, grab the elements, take them to your seats, and as you take them, we're going to be singing a song, Holy, Holy, Holy. And as we sing, I want you to think of that thing that you need a reversal for. Maybe it is just kind of your heart is kind of spiritually confused right now. Like you, you, you can't even sense awe in God right now for all that He is for you. Well, this is the opportunity to take communion and say, God, bring your resurrected power to bear upon the heart right now. Maybe it's pain that you have in your body. So say, God, come and move upon me, either with enduring grace or with healing grace. Come, invade my heart, invade my body. Maybe it's that you, your heart is broken for the loss around you. You're just like, God, it seems like just so unchangeable. Maybe it's to take communion. To saying, God, this is what I'm bringing before you. Do a reversal in it. Work your resurrection power through it. So let's take communion in these moments. We're actually going to war in some sense. We're taking in. We're, yes, remembering, but we're taking in his grace. And in these moments, let it be a grace. And let's just pray, Lord, do this reversal. Work this reversal in the heart in my life. So let's go ahead and stand, come forward, grab the element. You can take it back to your seat. We're just going to sing over you. Holy, holy, holy. Go ahead and come.
hope your heart would serve to be about the same kind of work wherever God has you throughout this next week. So in closing, we bring this grace and peace to you all in Jesus' name. If you need prayer, don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to pray for you. So Jessica's family would be ready to lay hands on you and pray for you as well. If there's any particular thing, don't leave the fence line. Don't leave the fence line if you need prayer. Don't go. Stay. Receive prayer.